0: it's reading aloud. I'm your host, Nate Cordry. It is book club week. Welcome. I'm sitting at a table with lots of creative people who are smiling at me, and they've all read the same book that I read. We're here in a room, and we're going to talk about it out loud. But before I introduce them to you, and we talk about that book, um, some housekeeping first. There's an amazing, next week's episode is going to be completely dedicated to an interview I did with an amazing artist, singer-songwriter, Lady Lamb, who's based out of Brooklyn. And I found her music this spring. She had a second album come out. I saw her play live here in L.A. And she is great. And she's, a, she's just a really smart, sort of wonderful new artist who's very young. And I see, I don't know, I see a very bright future for her because her music is really specific and interesting and has a point of view. Um, so I talked to her. It was my first remote interview where I had to bring a recorder on a train, make my way somewhere in Brooklyn, and then sit down with her in her living room and talk to her, which was very, made me very anxious, but she's lovely and really sweet, so we had a good time. But next week's episode is completely dedicated to that interview and her music, and the books that she has read, and her writing, Uh, and she's great. She's a really fun, compelling figure, so I'm really excited about next week's episode. Um... And the next live show is the second Sunday of September, September 13th, at the UCB Theater um, on Franklin. So come down and check that out. I had to cancel the August show because I was out of town. So there's sort of a backup of readers and performers. So uh, the show is going to be packed, which is going to be awesome. So it's five bucks. So come down and check it out. That's Sunday, September 13th um, at the UCB Franklin. And also... I want to say thank you to Skylight Books for hosting my last book club for Helen McDonald's Ages for Hawk. It was so much fun. Uh, David and events over there has been great. So we're going to do another live event. It may be a live recording of the podcast with readers, um, a comedy piece, a dramatic piece, and an interview, like a proper podcast. Or we may do another book club. But we, we're starting a really wonderful relationship at Skylight, and it's great. So Hopefully we'll be doing more events there um, as it evolves into the fall and the winter. So stay tuned for that. Uh, moving on to more pressing matters, The Invaders, which is a novel by Carolina, 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 Carolina Um She is a local writer. She uh, went to USC on the screenwriting program. This is her second, I believe, her second novel. The first one um, was called How to Get into the Twin Palms. It was a New York Times editor's choice, Salon's most underrated novel of 2012. Uh, She also uh, has worked for the New York Times, LA Times, The Believer, where she is an essay editor. Um, But she's a local girl, and she had a reading actually at Skylight Books like a week before I decided to have this book as the book club choice. Um, And I chose it for a lot of kind of silly reasons i judged this book by its cover because tom parada is on the front with an amazing quote a gut punch of a novel a scathing look at privilege waklawiak is a remarkable writer i had this book in my hands and tom parada sold me because i fucking love tom parada um he misled me so let's go let's go around the room (laughs) and say hello um we have Writers and actors here, and we have a professional librarian Kevin you work in the library arts. I do uh, we okay, don't I call go- it arts though. It's just the library. The library. <laughs> <laughs> you we work in the, we the library. We could say library
1: sciences. We could say library sciences. We could Can say we, library
0: sciences. Right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you. We met at Skylight Books uh, when I worked there. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I've interviewed you for the podcast, that's and you've been a look part familiar. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you've been a member of the book club several mm-hmm. times. So welcome back. Glad you're here. Thank you. How's the new gig at the library in Koreatown? Uh,
2: it's crazy. It's a bunch of crazy. It's it's. I don't know. It's. I can't even <laughs> describe it. It's such a different world from the bookstore. Like yeah. working at the bookstore is like working on a beach selling seashells, and working at the library is like being a rookie copy
1: in Detroit. It's the, dis- the one near the Wilton. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I know that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's nice and airy, though. They got a lot, of good, a lot of good desk space in that one. Yeah, it's big. It's just,
2: uh, it's a, it's just a completely different world. So just having to adjust to that has been pretty wild.
0: Kevin is sweating. He's wiping his <laughs> brow, <laughs> and he's visibly a... uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have like an off day today? Uh, no, I just, uh, I'm actually recovering from a cold, so I just okay. took the day off. So. No hugs, everybody. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Um, Robin Clark is here. She's a first-time member of the book club. Hi, Robin. Hello. Um, Tell me, just like nuts and bolts, I want to go around the room and have everyone sort of talk about their, just their basic paragraph description of their experience with this book, and then we'll get into specifics. Um, You read this book. I remember you sent a picture on Twitter to me that you were literally reading this book on a boat in New England?
3: Yes. Uh, my friend got married in Cape Cod at the end of last month.
0: How appropriate that which, you were reading this book.
3: Yeah. Well, I'm very susceptible. So I'm sitting on this boat, like, for my friend's wedding, and I'm looking at the Kennedy compound. <laughs> and I'm getting super depressed because I'm thinking about
0: yeah. all the people in this book. Mm-hmm.
3: I mean, to the point where, like, people would come up to me, like, have free wine. And I'm like, no, I just have to sit quietly by myself. Yeah. I better, can't.
0: Better not to drink. No. Because that just leads to destruction. Um, Overall, what was your um, take on this book? What did you come away with? Uh,
3: Overall, I liked her writing a lot. And then um, I got through it pretty quickly. And then about a week or so ago, I started to reread it just to go a little deeper. Yeah. And I found myself going, I don't want to. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think it's because mm-hmm. like, oh, I just don't like these people and I don't want to spend any more time with them. Sure.
0: Yeah. That's a great point. And I had some emails from listeners saying the same exact thing. And I want to talk about that later and the good and the bad that comes with being, uh, spending time in a book with uncomfortable characters that turn you off and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but I agree. I agree. These people are uh, difficult to spend time with. And that made it, made it a bit of a slog sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, John Ross Bowie is here. John has uh, performed in the live show, and he's been a member of the book club. He got his schedule a little jambled last time for Richard Price's The Whites, which we did with John Forrest and Nelson Franklin. You liked that book, right?
1: I liked that book a lot. Wasn't
0: that book great? Yeah, yeah. I
1: could, uh, you and I should do like a special like, 20-minute mini-sode That's where great. I finally get a chance to talk about The <laughs> That's Whites <a> great by <laughs> Richard Price. <laughs> That's a great idea. Which I enjoyed very much.
0: Um, you also read the invaders, and you have thoughts on it. What are your What's your general thought on this book?
1: Chief bullet point <clears throat> is: I spent a great deal of this book going, "Oh, shut the fuck up," and then flew through it like a bag of kettle corn, <laughs> 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 which is weird. Um, it wasn't just a oh, "I want this to be over with." I was genuinely, genuinely interested in how it was going to pan out mm. um, uh, from a storytelling perspective. On the other hand, I actually thought her, her, I had some issues with her writing, which we'll get to. Hmm. Um, And as far as the unlikable characters, yes, there are very few likable characters, but it's also 199 pages. Yeah right. So it's you know it's a it's a short party. Yeah yeah. You know, yeah. We're gonna get out of here. We can do something else after this. let so just get. Right. I got my boss is here. I gotta I gotta put an appearance at this party. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Everyone sucks, but we can take <laughs> off <laughs> yeah, yeah. shortly. Yep. You know if you're gonna have a, a bunch of shitty people in a book, one keep, drink. It, keep it below two hundred pages. Absolutely. And
0: you know I have no real quarrel with you. <laughs> um, Kevin, I didn't get your the, your general review of this book when I introduced you.
2: Um, yeah, you know I thought it was gonna be a lot better than it turned out. That was kind of my feeling like as I was going through as I, there was a lot of Parada-esque feeling to it, mm-hmm. a lot of suburban existential angst, which I really enjoy. Me too. But then as I got towards the end, I was just like, oh, no. This, what? This didn't add up to anything. Yeah. And I was really disappointed because <coughs> it felt like it was building towards something that could be kind of meaningful. And then when it got to the end, I was like, oh, this is like The Awakening by Kate Chopin. Mm. I, I, know, know I don't know that book. I oh, haven't do, read it. Oh, any, just me? All right. Sorry. Well... No, no. It's very similar. We've
0: got a
4: librarian. Yeah, here.
2: sorry.
0: <laughs> what other stupid books yeah, have
2: you God, read? Uh, <laughs> um. But yeah, I just, I really felt like there was a lot. I thought there was going to be more again, and I was just sad when it ended the way it did, and I was just like, yeah. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah. sort of like meant, <laughs> yeah, it and died. And, and yeah, and I thought it was, I was kind of bummed that there was just the two characters, especially Teddy, who was just so, I don't know. I didn't, it
0: was, I, I kind of hated him. Sure, and the... Hard to like. Yeah. If you like him, we're not going to be friends. (laughs) Uh, Susanna Fogel is here. Hi, Susanna. Hi. Susanna um, has been a member of the book club and also has had her writing performed live on the show, uh, at the live show and part of the podcast. You're a multi-hyphenate Reading Aloud member. Um, Welcome back. Thank you. Tell me your general feelings about the invaders.
4: Um... You know, when I was when I started it, I was hopeful for ice storm vibes, mm. and I got some ice storm vibes.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, but then it just didn't feel like it had the same um, pathos to it. I didn't really feel much. I was like, oh yeah, there's like the kind of um, idle rich kid, and but I didn't. Um, I didn't really feel like there was a, a deep enough social commentary happening. Yeah. I kind of felt like it like referenced better versions of itself Mm -hmm. and better books that do the same thing Um, and then i kind of felt like it had a really slow start took me a while to get into it it felt like it was like a little bit too satirical and and arch for me for the better part of it and then suddenly it became super apocalyptic and crazy but sort of not set up to be that so it wasn't like oh the big culmination that we've been building to is all coming full circle to this big moment and this is what the whole book was about there was just sort of like a big, not to use a screenwriting term, but big set piece at the end that sort of flew out of nowhere for me. Yeah. So I, I was like, oh, 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 okay.
0: The last 10 pages feel like they're in a different book. What happened? It, what yeah. the <laughs> fuck <laughs> isn't? happened? Like, I, I mean, I, like on a base level, I enjoyed the tension and, and sort of like the way that the suspension was built. And I saw all those things happening. And it was, f- I'm using air quotes, fun. But it had no business being in this book because I thought – um, and I'll sort of describe my basic um, idea of the book. I, I, I expected early on we were setting up that there that we have problems, and so Cheryl and maybe Teddy, but probably only Cheryl is going to go and try to solve these problems, and it's going to be her battle, her enormous battle with these people in this community, mm-hmm. and because she is different, she is other. She's even though she lives in this She is world, the invader. Yeah, right, right, right. And she's going and, and when they push further for more fences and more rules, she's going to do some sort of crazy shit and have some realization and change this or not change this world. And yet, throughout the book, she just sort of stands there and just comments on, what's past, on what is passing in front of her and has no real reaction or point of view and she's whether she's too drugged up to respond to any of it i just sort of saw her kind of like this like just with this apathy like commenting on how horrible this world is but not being motivated to do anything to change it and i and then all of a sudden the last 15 pages just explodes and i thought this doesn't this doesn't fit this doesn't fit this 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 uh, apocalyptic um, d- like Ultimate weather destruction, and the fact, and it just made me so frustrated that the fifty-page before was like, "Ah, it's in South Carolina. The storm's gonna miss. The storm's gonna miss." It's like, of course, it's not gonna fucking miss. Like, I'm not falling for that. And then it's just like, in one sentence, "Oops, they made a mistake." The meteorologist said it's gonna hit us, and it's gonna hit us, and it's gonna be a category five. I was like, "Yeah, yep, you didn't trick me into thinking that it wasn't gonna fucking come." Right, right. So I was frustrated in um, in that I thought. the book didn't, uh, the ending, I feel like she was making up for a lack of muscle in the beginning, in the middle of the book and saying, wow, I'm just going to throw this huge fucking, as you said, in a set piece at the end. And so people will close this book and be like, whoa. But yes, the last 10 pages were very crazy and compelling, but that doesn't make for a compelling story from start to finish. Uh, that's, That's sort of my kind of nuts and bolts review. Um... I, but we live in this sort of real housewives culture, you know? Like, this is such a genre right now that people love to watch. Um, and I have some kind of, like, or love to, you just winced. What was that, Bowie?
1: Well, I, 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 interesting. I think it's of a genre. I don't know that it's necessarily of that genre, of the, uh, the urban housewives, Beverly Hills, Miami Beach, whatever. Right. It views me, it, it struck me really early on um, as... A benchmark of your Tom Perotas, your Perrotas, your Rick Moody's, your Cheever's, your Updikes, um, which is a genre that I'm only peripherally familiar with because the central thrust of that genre seems to be don't live in the northeastern suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to which I reply, okay, yeah. <laughs> I will not. Done. You have my vow. Yeah, yeah right. Solid. No, right. no question. I grew up in Manhattan. I live in Los Angeles. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'm just not gonna go up to New Canaan. You have my word.
0: I, <laughs> I, I we're all set. <laughs> Ro- Robin, where are you? F- where are you from originally?
3: Um, Chicago mostly.
0: Okay. Do you know these? I mean, every city and every community has these kinds of people, and we're used to seeing them and like satirizing them and lampooning them, and they're an easy fucking target. Yeah, did you have you spent time with these kinds of people like growing up and in your life, or is this sort of a new world?
3: Um, it is a new world, but at the same time, I find that um, entitlement is no longer limited to the wealthy. Like I, I feel like hmm. uh, entitlement is everywhere. Yeah, and so this kind of world, like this, isn't really a novelty anymore. Like I see, I see assholes like this all the time.
1: Yeah, right. Um, right. So
3: it's not like, oh, let's go.
1: Let's
0: Take dig into these. Take a look behind
3: the curtains.
1: Yeah,
0: this is, yeah. This is I everywhere. bet there's
1: hypocrisy and deceit back here.
0: Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but do you, do you think that was her, like, that you, do you think that she thought that was going to be the case? Like, this is going to be a very interesting reveal. I mean, People I, haven't seen behind this curtain, as if you're saying. I don't know. But I, how she How can? can she, right? How can she, I yeah. I think
4: it's worth noting that she is, um, I mean, she is an immigrant. Like, she may have come, and she grew up in. New England after being born in Poland. So, like, I don't know. That may affect, like, her okay. a- anthropologically, hmm. her, like, experience of this. Sure. Not that she hasn't, like, read the canon that we're talking about. I'm sure she has. But, yeah. I mean, feeling like an outsider is probably amplified by the fact that she's not really of this, like, world, you know? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. You grew up in Massachusetts.
4: In Providence, yeah. Uh,
0: um, Providence, right. Um, so, you have, you've seen these people, right? Oh, yeah. Like, you yeah. know these people. Yeah.
4: I've spent a lot of time lampooning these same people. <laughs> it, now, uh...
0: now, did you grow up in Providence
1: proper or just outside? Proper, or? proper. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Because I'm, I'm still interested in like the idea of, of because I mean, urban, urban New England is still urban, and and we're talking about the the suburbs and the beach communities right. here. And and I, I, in my temp jobs in Manhattan, I would meet. I'd meet people from New Canaan or Bedford up in Westchester County yeah. Hudson mm-hmm. Valley and I'd, I met like the Jeffries and the Tucks of this world oh yeah mm-hmm. um, but I um, but yeah, do you think but even living in in urban Providence you still you still felt this world kind of just just out of I reach mean, we, or?
4: My family sort of spent um yeah I mean I, I went to different um Quaker schools with all these girls whose uh-huh. parents had been like, you know, they owned, like, small islands on the Cape and...
0: Mayflower descendants. Mayflowery D A R E people. Fucking, yeah.
4: yeah, and, um yeah, I do think that there's... I, I definitely felt other. I mean, I was, like, a Jewish daughter of two professors, and there were, like, two Jewish kids per grade. I feel like I also talked about this in the last book club. I seem, like, obsessed <laughs> with my own outsider status. I are weird, like, well, <laughs> like a Jewish girl in New England, but... I do feel like I get that. Like we we went to Block Island in the summer, and we'd stay in like the tiny shack that like didn't have any of the luxuries. And then I'd go and see people wearing Nantucket reds, and like yeah, I I know that world very well, okay. and I know what it feels like to be an outsider in that world. I mm-hmm. I still don't. I think having graduated out of caring about whether I'm fit in or not, and in fact just acknowledging I'm bored by that world. Totally, it's mm. hard for me to find. I think what I really wanted was um. I guess when I said it was arch before, I meant that the characters felt very archetypal. And yes. I feel like even within that world, the more specific and personal the pain of each person, I can kind of connect to them whether wherever they're from and however much money they have. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't feel like I understood like the human depth of any of the characters enough. Like Cheryl, I didn't really know what were the pretenses under which she entered that marriage, that that what were the broken dreams, what were the dreams, what was her past. I mean yeah. she kind of just like glossed over the reason that she's even there. Yeah. So I didn't understand whether, it, what her perspective was, was this like, this isn't what I thought it would be. I grew up always
1: thinking it would be one thing and it's not. Right. I didn't really know what she thought. I don't know what the one thing was. Like what uh, yeah. was she planning on working at But the... she could
2: have also have not planned anything. Like that was kind of the thing that I kind of took away from her characters. Like she kind of jumped in. She didn't really know what she was doing. Okay. And maybe the writer kind of knew, but didn't express it. But the character- Itself Hmm. seemed to not know what was happening and just kind of was going through these motions. Like, girl, always grew up poor. The idea was to grow up rich, and then or uh, to get rich, married a rich person, and then she's like, oh, and then was confused as to like what the next thing was. Right. And then the outsider status didn't help any of that. So, and
0: her her mother, this whole relationship with her and her mother, I tried to fucking get into and I tried to care, and I just couldn't. I understand like this impossibly beautiful mother who's always telling the kids that they have to be physically beautiful and she was always sort of displaying her physical beauty and all these girls in the family were like, okay, that's the ideal. That's what we have to achieve Mm -hmm. to get husband, get successful life, whatever, not about what's inside or just on a surface thing. And then once the mother got older... That she became this horrible sort of monster who told her again and again, "You're going to lose your youth. It's all fleeting." That's this right. is something that keeps on happening over and over again in the first hundred pages of this, of this book. Mm. She keeps on repeating over and over again, "All this is fleeting. All women are screwed. There is a deadline. There is a like. It, it, eventually, your your beauty and your youth will fade, and a man will move on to the next younger thing, and it is impossible to get out of this rut." Um, and then when she goes back to her mother's house, and like finds the key and opens the door and like lays in the bed and, and is like wrapped in the afghan or whatever. And I just, I wanted to, because we've all had that fantasy. It's a fun, easy fantasy to go back to the house that you grew up in um, if it's no longer in your family and like be in that environment and like be f- filled with all those memories and the nostalgia of it. That's something I've, I've, I've thought about a bunch of times. But her description just didn't, I didn't know why we were going back there. I didn't know what the weight, it she had a terrible mother, and I didn't know how that was dictating her behavior, um, and I didn't care. I wanted to. I wanted to care more, um, and so I just didn't know wh- why that was in the story. Why McLevyak made made this character part of the story and how it f- furthered us. I just I was sort of distracted by it. I'm like, I'm not getting anything out of this. There's no nutrients. There's no protein here. Um, so that sort of frustrated me. If I can. Um, because the show is called Reading Aloud, I, do, I did find one really wonderful passage that I loved. So maybe we can celebrate something <laughs> very briefly. It's a page. It's on page 106. Uh, Teddy is back from uh, being booted out of Dartmouth. He's at a bar by himself, oh, and uh, he encounters this girl. Teddy... It was an unfamiliar voice and I was afraid to turn around. When I finally did, I didn't recognize the girl, but she was small with a nice chest and runner's legs in supremely short shorts. She looked nervous and that made me nervous. Was she from some previous summer? Yeah, I said. Tracy, she said awkwardly. Still no fucking clue. I smiled and nodded like she was jogging my memory. I would have remembered those legs probably, at least the tits. Anyway, she looked too young for me for sure. We hung out on Block Island? She wavered. I knew what she meant by hung out, but I still couldn't place her. I kept nodding like a fucking idiot and smiling wide. I heard myself telling her how good she looked and how it was great to see her. And then she asked for her wallet back, and I knew exactly who she was. Block Island, sand, the guys, the reeds. We were wasted. We did it anyway. She passed out, and I took her wallet. I felt fucking sick all of a sudden and leaned over into one of those big trash cans and threw up. She just stared at me, her hand out. I don't even remember where I put the wallet. It had been our summer of collecting trophies. Maybe I lodged it into the couch of the summer house we were partying in. It didn't matter. It was gone now, and she was staring at me and waiting. She didn't give a shit that I just threw up in front of her and the family still outside trying to enjoy their meals. I was a fucking terrible person. Uh... It's that that I I love that story. <laughs> I fucking love that story because that is such a thing that fucking deadbeat jerk off, you know, nineteen-year-old college assholes do. Yeah. And it's a very the trophy collecting. Yes, yeah, that's brutal. I, it's such a I, I, and like I've heard of I these. I
4: found it kind of endearing. Is that not
1: the right?
0: Wait, um, no, can, no, no, no. You, you feel?
1: Can you? Do you need a hug? You feel whatever
0: you
2: want to
1: feel, Susanna. <laughs> I was. Yeah.
2: I was um, <laughs> Are you a trophy collector? Is that what you're trying to say? Uh, uh,
3: yeah. Okay. Um, I like. This is a bad time to ask my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, it. It's funny. I, um, it,
1: and and that point because that's pretty much right in the middle of the book, is because we start off with feeling sort of bad for Cheryl and knowing that Teddy is a shitbird. Mm-hmm. And around hundred pages in, they switch. And to me, anyway, huh. and yeah. uh, and right at around the halfway point, Teddy has this moment where he goes, I'm a terrible person. He yeah. literally, which is a problem with Carolina, with her writing, is that you, there's a lot of telling when showing would do. But he tells us, I'm a terrible person. Got it. Right. We have seen, you've just shown us, but you know it, and that's good. That does help us. Right. And then... And then Cheryl becomes more and more sort of insulated in like a cocoon of pills, and uh, and just sort of
4: validation seeking through the validation sex seeking sex. through the
1: through the yeah. weird kid in the neighborhood. And he, after that point, you start to feel bad for Teddy, and you start to have a little more sympathy for him, and you think this is a guy who's actually having some an epiphany. And mm. at the end. And i have some uh, a few thoughts about the end but if we take the end literally um he's the one who makes it back to shore
0: right one yeah. arm
1: just with one arm but yes. he makes he manages to swim back to shore yeah. and i have a little glimmer of hope for teddy mm-hmm. and, yeah so do i and and she is a lost cause i'm of I, I i am not i don't know what if it came up in the interview you read susanna in the la times I'm not entirely sure where to take the ending literally. I'm wondering if it's just the storm is just a very ham-fisted metaphor for a complete breakdown and she's out to sea, he said, pointing at her at his head, right. but not actually dead necessarily. Because mm-hmm. um, it is very lyrical. Oh,
6: I feel like
4: she
2: dies.
1: Yeah, I think she does too. I think she does too, but and maybe this is just, you know, English major bullshit and navel gazing, but like <laughs> I, I I wonder if I almost think it's sadder if she doesn't sadder mm-hmm. and more effective if this is just her fucking, she's just drowning in this life. Right. Um, and maybe I'm giving the book too much credit, I don't know. Um, but I think around halfway into the uh, <coughs> into the book, they the two characters kind of switched their trajectories a yeah. little bit, and I think that's kind of interesting.
0: The last sentence is, as the waves crashed and receded, I knew I could finally disappear. And I closed the book going, that's how we're ending it? Right. I could finally, did you want to disappear? Because I, you haven't been telling me that. Right, right. you wanted yeah. to be
4: in the fashion show.
0: First thing that happens, she wants to be in the fashion show. Yeah, yeah. I just, I thought that was the absolute wrong way to end this book because you hadn't set up that she wanted to do this. So it doesn't pay off. There's no, I I don't want to disappear.
4: She wanted to like get, you know, when she was calling all those guys, I don't know, she seemed to want to be seen so
3: desperately. Well, she wanted
0: to be touched. Go ahead, Robin.
4: I, I feel, um,
3: Yes, it did sort of come out of nowhere, but uh, that it was also uh, control. It was something she can control. It wasn't about being seen or being passive. It was I've been looked at my entire life, and this is a way to Mm. take care of that myself. Mm. Just obliteration. Yeah, but it's her choice.
0: I just didn't get the other side that she was that she was hinting at how she wanted to go against that because that was only giving her trouble.
1: Page 161 here. Uh, she goes back to her mom's house. Um, uh, it might be different in the digital version. I walked into my mother's room angry at her erasure of me, angry at Jeffrey's desire to start erasing me.
0: She hmm. wants to be seen. Hmm. I highlighted that. Hmm. Um, on, and uh, I'll, I'll double back on that. Page 165, Teddy, when he's post-accident, is on that beach mm-hmm. and where he's like left there. And he says to his sort of, you know, uh, his fuck buddy there, Pauline, too, he says literally, erase me off the face of the earth for her to like physically cover him, and i which is a which is Teddy sort of wanting to disappear because he couldn't handle his life but i but I didn't buy it when he said it. Yeah. it seemed strange. I was like, well, this is something that Cheryl would say because she's a little more poetic in the way that she describes her existence. Right. Teddy is not. I'm a fucking idiot, I'm a, you know, whatever. And so when he said that, I was like, ooh, this this doesn't, this is a little too, I, I don't buy that these words are coming out of his mouth, it didn't fit. Right. But both characters at different aspects wanted to.
3: There were a couple times when she was talking to Jeffrey when, and he was trying to, um, you know, say, to end things, and she she said things like, well, don't I get a say in how things end? Yeah. Why, why do you get to dictate what happens right. here? Right, right. So I think it it was about feeling in control. Yeah. yeah, Yeah.
0: Having some kind of strength. We're going to take the shortest of breaks and we'll be right back with the second half of the book club. Uh, You're listening to Reading Aloud and I'm your host, Nate Cordry. I'm so excited to introduce you guys to Howl FM, the best and most convenient way to listen to all the episodes of Reading Aloud. On the web at howl.fm and on the go with the Howl app. Yeah. You can stream and download all All Reading Aloud episodes that have been released in the past six months and go beyond the audio with behind the scenes photos, commentaries, and more. But there's a way to go further. Yes, you can go deeper by upgrading to Howl Premium for only $4.99 a month. You get exclusive access to the entire Reading Aloud archive and to all the Earwolf and Wolfpop archives. This includes all episodes older than six months, all remastered with zero ads. That's right, no ads. Only with Howl Premium, listen to hundreds of hours of the WTF podcast with Mark Marin, classic interviews in there, with Robin Williams, Louis C.K., and more. Howl has also partnered with some of your favorite hosts and comedians to develop Howl Originals, brand new shows available only with Howl Premium. Check out the great new series from Lauren Lapkus and the AV Club right now. Already, there are 10 brand new hilarious Howl originals, and we're adding new shows every week. Get access to all this exclusive content, both on your phone and on your desktop, with Howl Premium for only $4.99 per month. And with the promo code READING, you get a full month of a free trial. Just go to Howl.fm and enter code READING at checkout. Remember, you can use Howl on your phone or your computer, but you can only use my promo code on HowlFM. That's the website. So go to Howl.fm, that's H O W L.fm, and use the promo code READING for one free trial of Howl Premium. We're back. It's part two of the book club. We're talking about the invaders. Carolina Waklawiak's second novel. Um, you just said something really clever, Susanna, about the different voices in this book. There's it's we jump back and forth between Cheryl's point of view and Teddy's point of view, chapter by chapter. And there is a difficulty occasionally in the distinction of those two voices. And we're just talking about the perhaps the lack of depth with these characters. And you mentioned something really great. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, no, I was just saying that because there's sort of two first-person accounts, you sort of want, there's, the groundwork is laid to have two very different narrative voices mm-hmm. and two very different writing styles that yeah. are sort of Yeah, laid, like, and, and fun to explore that. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like I was it's thinking about, I yeah. think so. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking about something where, books where the sort of first-person narrator is, is sort of um, not the author's voice, like a Motherless Brooklyn or a Red Easton Ellis novel or something where you're mm-hmm. like, oh,
1: this person is... Time out for a second on Breddy Easton Ellis. <laughs> that's not him a little bit?
4: Actually, that's 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 true. I'll give
1: you Motherless Brooklyn. I will okay. 100% right, give you it. It's narrated by a guy with Tourette's out of, out of the park. You're absolutely right. But I'm, I'm going to hold your feet to the fire on Red Easton Ellis. <laughs> I, th- I
4: think what I mean is... Um, Okay, whether it's a sort of narcissistic, this is how I talk, and also this guy's an asshole, and also I hate myself, and (laughs) also I'm Reddy Stanellis. Reddy (laughs) Stanellis? It's uh, it's like...
1: uh, Oh, he plays with different voices in, uh, what do you call it, in Rules of Attraction, doesn't he? Yeah, Yeah. but even, you know,
4: like in American Psycho, when he just spends two pages talking about um, who designed all the clothes and the watches and the shit. And you're like, oh... (laughs) <laughs> you're laughing, laughing at me no I'm, like, I, no I'm laughing because I'm not defending him okay? I know you're
1: I not like, I know you're
4: all. not
3: I know you're not
1: but there's also he also my favorite thing in American Psycho which is not a sentence I thought I'd pull together but um, <laughs> is uh, um, the two pages on all the terrible albums he loves oh yeah. the Huey Lewis yeah, he yeah keeps it go- just yeah. goes on he keeps on. going he keeps going back and buying new copies of Bruce Willis's The Return of Bruno because nothing <laughs> well, like, says psychopath more than that and that fucking <laughs> kills me it almost it almost makes up for all the misogyny in that book because his like quote unquote rock criticism of like and how much he loves phil collins era yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. uh, oh it's like
4: i think it's so funny so so i guess i guess my point being that whether or not that's him like that's a character that whose obsessions and narcissism are really deliberately drawn by the Mm. author and i feel like teddy could have a voice that's pushed like that if he's shallow or if he's super misogynistic, it's like you could just feel that in how he looks at the world, and you can yeah. see it in how he, what he chooses to s- spend the real estate of narrating on. Right. right. Um, and Cheryl, if she's on pills, like I kind of want to read an unreliable narration of what she experienced while mm. on pills. Like I yeah. kind of was like, okay, and then have don't Teddy give me this sort pers- of be, maybe yeah. reveal the
0: truth of what that party was like when her perspective was a fucked up. that would be You're playing
4: with perspective yeah. here, and you just sort of set up here's two really different perspectives, like right. And maybe this is like the screenwriter talking because I like to write dialogue more than anything else. But mm-hmm. I'm sort of like, give us, give us the inner monologues of two incredibly different people, right? And not like, don't make it easy for me to forget who's talking, so I have to like look back at the thing and be mm. like, oh, it's Teddy's turn. Like, I, I really yes. didn't want to feel it. Just seemed like a missed opportunity. Yeah. And
1: another another thing they, that that annoyed me about this book because I do love the idea that it goes back and forth between these two narratives, but it goes in exact chronological order and they never overlap, and so you get. Cheryl's mm. take on the party. Right. And then Teddy's take on what happens after the party. But right. why not? Yeah. As long as we're there, let's see two angles of this party. Yeah, And right. get
0: to and and that's a great opportunity to see these two <coughs> different personalities and how they describe a similar event. Yeah. Or like it separates Sher- these Cheryl, two.
4: Yeah, Cheryl being like, no one's seeing me there, and then Teddy being like, Cheryl obviously wanted to be seen. I mean, no, no, that's it, a bad it, version, but no, like, I think there's
1: something there. How are yeah. you
4: perceived? How do you think you're being perceived? Yes. For two, for a very self-conscious she's very self-conscious and he's sort of self-destructive. It's like how do they see each other? Is she successfully, is she invisible as invisible as she thinks? Right, right. Does she does Teddy notice Tuck looking at her from across the party and she doesn't notice it because right. she's looking at someone else's approval?
5: And like, when are
0: the occasional moments when they sort of overlap, where they right. have the same point of view, when they're both, like, what they're both seeing is t- the truth. Right. Yeah. Uh, and when it doesn't. Yeah, that's absolutely an opportunity. Does anyone search. else
4: think that there might be, like, sexual tension between them? Oh, yeah. So
2: between Teddy and Cheryl, yeah, yeah. When they were I on mean, the boat, I
4: was like, "Fuck on the boat." <laughs> <laughs> no one's watching you.
1: And but one of the things I I liked fuck though, up. and and, boat. and again I, I I liked there was stuff about the story that that surprised me and I liked is that I, I thought it was being telegraphed all the way through that they were going to fuck and when they don't and right. she goes back to the kid she assaulted earlier, yeah, that was like that. Super weird. It was super weird, but it did throw me. I'll give it that, and not necessarily in a bad way. I was like, I did not see that coming, Carolina. Yeah, d- well played. Yeah, I did
4: not see it coming when she kissed him.
1: Yeah.
0: Yes. No. Yeah. Neither did I.
1: Neither And, did and I. it's sort of a redemptive moment, or or an attempted redemptive moment, I guess. Was um, it, though,
2: I just felt because the buildup for Steven, right, that was the kid who, yeah. yeah, it was always, like, he's always bad, he's always <coughs> doing, like, these destructive things. And then Killing all, the seagulls. Right, and all then all shit, of yeah. a sudden it's, like, he, her, I, I just, I didn't I didn't have, I wasn't having it. Like, you, she, the writer was building him up to kind of be, like, this really, not evil, but just kind of malicious person. Like, oh,
4: we need to talk about Kevin style.
5: Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. and then
2: all of a sudden, like, He's there for her in this way that I just hadn't thought was honest. And I, I don't know. I just wasn't having it. I mean, I was surprised, but I wasn't like well, – You mean like is-
4: why didn't he um, indict her when everyone was but, like, oh, your face is scarred? Why why, but like- even
2: more than that, it's like she, the writer had built Stephen up to be like this kind of psychopathic person. And then when Kara, uh, uh, Cheryl – Suddenly has to uh, go to you her.
1: called her the author. <laughs> right. Whoops. Um,
2: <laughs> went, to, went to him. I was just, I don't know. I just, I, I just wasn't having it. Just like the build up to it. I mean, I, I guess I understood, but it just didn't make sense to me. Just there,
1: to be devil's advocate for a moment, uh-huh. and um, uh, I, I hear, it did feel a little, I mean, you know, there's there's earned surprise and there's unearned surprise, obviously. But just to piggyback on what Robin was saying earlier about Cheryl's need for control. Mm-hmm if she seduces Stephen, she can get her control back because he's got this secret about her. Right. And if she kind of brings him into the web... Um, and maybe I'm giving the book too much credit, but if he brings her in, in, into the web, she can kind of regain the control in the relationship.
2: I agree with all those points, then I think it needs to be more well-written. Like, I think those points need to be more salient and mm-hmm. more uh, brought up front, because it, w- the, the points that you're bringing, I feel are so subtle then that I, like, I have to like really parse through, and I just feel like if it was just, um, I don't know, I guess if it was just a little more, f- not forethought, but uh, yeah... I don't know, I just, I wasn't really happy, but I I agree with your points, yeah.
4: I think it's that question of, you know, I think, like, one thing English majors are really good at doing is reading into, like, trying to decide if there's, like, intent or not, Mm -hmm. and being like, well, the author meant for us to feel emptiness and uh, lack of development Mm -hmm. of character, because we're supposed to feel the emptiness that she feels, like, or are the characters underdeveloped? Yeah. You know, and it's, like, kind of hard to tell.
0: It is. It's, yeah. well, it's impossible to tell, and you bring your own bias to it, so Mm -hmm. every reader you know, there's someone who's on Goodreads who gave this a five star review and and completely th- thinks that this is all done on purpose and it completely enveloped their brain and they were totally on board. What is
1: what is all done <laughs> on purpose? Like the sort of like weird motivations of the characters. Yeah, and, and and
0: also feeling like this lacks lack of depth and lack of focus and sort of th- <sighs> like confusion. And I was like, well, that's that's the world that we're supposed to be living in, and I I don't I don't buy that. I felt a
1: bail. The, yeah.
0: Yeah. There's one little element where she's described as um, like she. She's like sort of seeking danger. She's turned on by danger when she's going for a walk. This is page 11. When she's going for a walk and she sees what's-his-name jerking off. Um, As I hurried down the path away from the legs, I kept turning around to make sure he wasn't following me. Who was it? A teenager? Someone's husband who liked to get off on the rocks? Finally, something had happened to wake up my summer Ah, do I've had that as well. Something finally happened to wake up my summer. As in, this is good news. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is what I need in my life. This yeah. is, this makes me feel alive. Like this fucking dangerous, sort of like sexually provocative, you know, bizarre thing woke her up, as opposed to turned her off and made her run. She's running away, but it was. It's sort of good news. Yeah. And so when it happened with Stephen, I was like, no, she's. It, it, it came out of nowhere for me when she kissed him, but it was also like, I, I, because that little bit was set up that she likes the she danger. Like, Subversive, li- yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't, I. it came out of nowhere, but not completely out of nowhere. I, I heard it, I heard the footsteps a little bit. Yeah. But I wanted actually more of it. Um, I just don't understand, like Stephen, I don't understand why, I guess... If you're turned on by that, or she want, but I mean, this woman, this guy, att- it was an attempted rape, right, in the woods. Yes, you want it. His dick was out of his pants. He yeah. attempted to rape her, right, mm-hmm. in the woods, and this goes into way sort of deep, sort of Freudian sexual stuff with men and women, and who knows whatever what what you're turned on to. That's all fucking gray, but I, uh, I, oh, I, mean, I don't, I didn't buy it. Yeah.
4: Well, I don't know. I mean, I feel like. It just didn't feel like it was – I think this is the thing. It's like if it was a third-person narration and it was saying – and you see her have this reaction and then you see her do these things, then you imagine that her inner life is a person who has a subversive subconscious sexuality. Because it's the I. If this is her inner thoughts, why aren't her thoughts including I was – be, oh, anything. It doesn't have to be like, I was weirdly turned on. I plan to kiss this rapist later. Right. Um, but, <laughs> other sentences I never thought I would say. Uh, but like, it, uh, you know, it, it it's like, because it's first person, it's like, that's not a time to spare the inner monologue of a person who's turned on or not turned on by things. Yep. So that's the right. opportunity to say something was weirdly provocative that night. I tried to fuck Jeffrey. He didn't want to fuck me. That's weird. Or you even could see you could, there's opportunities for her to to see this, her sexuality playing out in her life yeah. unfulfillingly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just wanted to hear her speak to that as yeah. long as she's speaking to us for hundreds of pages, well, a couple hundred pages
2: yeah. about yeah. thoughts. Or even if Teddy could have observed some of that behavior and, remar- and you know, commented upon it, that yeah. would have been effective as well. But, yeah, just through her own
1: perspective, I just you don't know. Yeah.
4: We're just, bothering to have her perspective. Like, I want to have it.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know? and, and it's weird because the perspective is not is when she does offer perspective, it's stuff we don't really need. Like, there's a moment pretty early on where she passes the bathroom. Upstairs, I passed the bathroom and heard Teddy retching in the toilet. I listened through the door, and it seemed like he might even have been crying. I heard the flush and quickly made my way to the bedroom, quietly closing the door behind me. We're all fine. We got it. One more sentence. I didn't want him to know I was there and make the yeah. indignity worse. No, oh fine. God. I didn't need it. Got <laughs> it. Yeah, exactly. Understood right. why you snuck right.
0: away. There are a couple.
1: There Understood was, why you snuck away. Yeah, did not need that. You want that sentence
4: to be like. I fantasized about my rapist in that moment.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a chance for her to do something else because I understand that she doesn't want Teddy to know she's there and make the indignity she worse. She really
4: didn't want him to know.
1: I uh, <laughs> really, really, uh, really, really, fucking really not. Really <laughs> not. But in <laughs> yeah, turn, really, really wanted me to know so that I did really, that She didn't.
4: Really uncomfortable for him.
1: The thing, but I had to know that it that she knew it was going to be
0: oh, I'm tired. <laughs> I uh I I, I want to talk j- just briefly about Jeffrey and how um I mean yeah he's 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 uh, awful but he had I I just didn't he gave me nothing. Did anyone believe he was a real person? No. Did, yeah. like, no, It's just he like is a little w- two-dimensional Yes, way. yes. Mm-hmm. He could have just floated away with the breeze. Could have been a, a fucking ghost. And yeah, it I have just, no idea what he looks like, yep. how he behaves. I, why
4: she liked him. What, yes. What, 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 why they were together besides that they had, like, you know, furtive makeouts in a car.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, I know. Swept her off her feet kind of as she was a sales girl at a, at a yeah. or she was a waitress. Contu- no, waitress. Girl. I sales I think a sales girl at like a clothing oh, stores. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 in the men's department yeah. um, he, ga- he gave me nothing zero the he thing, gave me absolutely yeah. nothing
4: I think the thing is that like because it's not I think it's like the wife's lens on a character that we've read from the male perspective in Updike and Joseph Heller's Something Happened which is like the proto that like it's about the sort of like angst of being a husband and being tied down and not wanting to be tied down and it's like all, we've mm-hmm. heard the dude's perspective a lot mm. and it, I think it would have been a couple of details would have made it like okay now we're going to hear the other side we're going to hear from the wife this is right. what it feels like to be with a person like that but there right. was no like that there yeah you know it right. wasn't even sort of like giving no. us the shorthand that we could recognize as oh this is one of those characters that you real that you read about in you know male yeah, perspective.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. When she Ford finds or... vaguely degrading porn on his laptop it might have been the least surprising reveal. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and it was just sort of like well yeah what else is this guy? I mean we've kind of like I get it. you know. It, and it's it set up as a very like this was a thing I've discovered about Jeffrey. I'm yeah like, that
4: was like that was could've... a little bit of a Tom Parata-y, uh attempt. Mm, yeah. yeah. But attempt.
0: He's done it better. I you know. I know like, I'm I, I, just saying, I,
4: I could see yeah. that it was like alluding to something, but then it just, it just, yeah, went like.
0: Did you guys get distracted in that moment when like the voice of the girl or the, that was, sounded familiar to the girl at the, the, daughter of the guy who was arrested in the front lawn when Jeffrey came out and was like "What was, what's happening why are they arresting like, the fishermen oh, all right the fishermen
4: just there to be like these people hate Mexicans
0: I, I don't know what else <laughs> they're I mean, doing there I yeah, thought
2: they were the invaders I, I thought that was like kind of the idea Like that's why the gates are going up and.
4: but she felt like a, a connection with them but then it's like bring that bring them
5: back
2: or just yeah. like kind they of tie in a better way yeah yeah, yeah. yeah a-
1: it, it felt very much like a writer's construct to be like I shall introduce a Mexican person solely to show the racism of our <laughs> protagonists <laughs> right. and then thank you so much Mexican person that will be all <laughs>
0: right. you're arrested and you're going to <laughs> you may go, go to now. jail
1: yes I think- <laughs> you have served your narrative purpose good day
4: it, I, I feel like yeah it's like I kind of wanted I mean this is like so just me being like if I was in Hollywood and I was the 10th writer on this screenplay um, (laughs) I I would have had that Fisherman Cart her off in a boat at the end when there's a flood. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. On his fishing
4: boat with his daughter. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. was yeah. uh, was
4: the girl in the porn.
0: <laughs> right. And, yeah, um, what the fuck?
4: And yes. she'd get in the boat and then they'd go off and be outsiders together. And yes. then some would invade somewhere. Oh, yeah, like, and they, like, the they
1: would invade the it, yeah. was, it, it was an illusion <laughs> for a moment. What that... was the
2: deal with the porn, too? Like, I totally forgot about that. Like, because isn't the daughter like crying? And yeah. then like, the reminded... voice is like, you take it. Or like,
0: yeah, yeah. And I forced. But then it
2: never, it never like returned back to like, what was that about and I was just like, I thought it was gonna get much darker, and then it never yeah, went back. I and then I was I was excited too. for it because I was like, oh maybe the maybe the husband the could father be like, is
0: wrapped up in some yeah, and then it just you know. went away. And I was Slavery like, yeah, something. exactly. Yeah. Well, it was weird because there was yep. a moment where
1: it actually. She almost makes it seem as if like it's actually the daughter from that's outside. That's what I That's what, no, it, I, know. It's that's what I thought. Private video, too. but but if that's the case, then they really don't pay it off at all. Yeah, there's
0: nothing that. They follows could have up talked that. about
4: that in the fishing boat at the end of the book. <laughs>
1: right.
0: <laughs> you shook your um, head. You shook your head, Raman, at that. Did you? Did you? Did you feel like that was the that the the daughter that they she was implying no, I that the daughter?
4: It was just an unnecessary connection.
1: confusion. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
4: Or it's about like the role. Okay, so if we're going to try to ascribe intent to it. Let's do it.
1: Let's do it. Here we
0: go. It's
4: like it's about the relationship that men want women to have to their sexuality.
0: Okay. And what's being
4: said, or men and women, what turns Jeffrey on? Let's figure out who Jeffrey is. Who are we going to cast as Jeffrey? That's the biggest question. Um, The fact that we can't answer uh, it is a problem.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what he looks like. The, I mean, it's like the husband in uh, like, in Copland. What's it, uh, Peter Berg plays? What's his what's oh, yeah. her face? Is I was gonna husband. say Aaron
4: Eckhart, but yeah,
0: yeah, right, like right. That, that guy.
4: Aaron
1: Eckhart's a little young, but yeah, who's who's older? Aaron Eckhart. Um, <laughs> uh, I will go there. I will I will All take right. the rest older. of this podcast got <laughs> yeah. No, but it, what I, I guess what we're supposed to take away from it is that Jeffrey has this. You know, his kink is, you know, the subservient immigrant girl. You know, like, that's his, that's what, what does it for him. But
2: that wasn't even the takeaway I took. I mean, I didn't, I didn't have, like, I didn't even know what, because, because Jeffrey is so two-dimensional. Like, I just thought, like,
0: just another weird thing about the husband, like, like, the, he, yeah. He, he, he describes her um, when she's like, how do I look? Because they're going to go to the party or they're going to go to the club for dinner. And he's like, I, I want you to look more vulnerable. And she said, "I don't know how I feel. I don't like that you said that." And he, or and he says,
3: "She said, well, I think I don't like.
0: I yeah, right. I,
4: I, I think I don't
3: like." Thank what you. You're Good that.
0: clarification. And he said, She's "Like
4: I'm not sure what my
0: right. thoughts are." <laughs> like the rest of the book, and then uh, <laughs> he said, "Well, you better know what your thoughts are on it. Like mm. then, don't like it or like it, but tell, but tell me why."
4: But also be vulnerable, but have strong right opinions. Right. <laughs> and then it just disappears
0: and we never go back thing, to it again.
4: Like one thing is that, you know, if she was like the sales girl, obviously, I don't know. It's like I kind of just wanted there to be more depth. Like, okay, he's into subservient stuff. He met her when she was a sales girl. Was there dynamic that he came into the store and she was the subservient The person who said, you, you look
1: amazing in that. Yeah, was That's she that? That's a great tie for your eyes. And mm-hmm. then when
4: she became, you know, even peripherally an insider in this world or she was then like, oh, now I'm – and Now I've invaded this world. I'm like a wife of this world. Yeah. She no longer had that subservient position, yeah, sort of, or she wanted to be dressing like the other women, and then he was like, Oh, I don't like this anymore.
5: Yeah. It, yeah.
4: You know, he didn't have that salvation fantasy again. Or I don't know. It's just like there could have been those layers. I don't know if she meant to there there to be that, but I yeah. feel like she had um all these dots that like didn't totally connect for me, but you could have made hmm. some deeper stuff. With Absolutely,
2: event, it was. Know? It was all. I don't know. I, fe- I that was the thing I was disappointed about the book. It felt like there were so many elements that were almost there yeah. and then and when it didn't quite make it I was like because I was I read it really quickly too just like you did. No I did too. Because I, uh, I, I thought it was really compelling and you know it's not that sh- but I was just like like the Tuck character I thought like oh Tuck is going to be somebody that I feel is going to kind of. He's going to murder
0: Lori. He's going to her. her house. Yeah. When he was like throwing like at when the storm was coming he was peeling off the, yeah. the I was like well he's going to murder her. Fine. Please murder her because he's the one who's like these people need to be stopped. The she truth needs to be stopped. Teller, I was like great right. then some catastrophic thing he's going to fucking kill 10 People and it's woo, but he just gets a window off and he just drunkenly rides his bicycle away. Yeah, the most That's subversive
4: it. thing he That's does it. is get and a blowjob th- from his th- own th- wife. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. which I have to say,
0: I do. I did enjoy that.
1: I, not uh, not just because I automatically like a blowjob in a book, although, <laughs> uh, although. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, would it kill you, Oscar Wilde? But the um uh, if, if um but I love the moment because we really think it's like it's one yeah. more surreptitious affair yeah. in this in this no, town. I li- it's I did, a nice I did and like then when the reveal, reveal is its wife, I, I actually smiled. I was me like, too. You got me. It's me no, well played. I, well,
4: and I, think, <laughs> I, I agree. I I did like that moment. Yeah. yeah. I think that
3: moment on the first read made me like Tuck as a character. We're like, Oh, he has you know principles, or he seems to be very honest with who he is. And then he returned the favor, and they held her hand yeah. on the way home. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah that yeah. was actually Stand a lovely. Up uh, that Don- was a great moment. I really loved that, that reveal. Marriage. But it was, uh, yeah, there's <laughs> a solid but, marriage. Yeah.
3: But in the reread, I came to hate
0: him. Really? What, what changed?
3: Yeah, um, just the way he engaged Cheryl uh, in, at the party, and it was he like was just kind of like, "Don't, yeah, like, don't you have any?" stories and I was like, why can't you just like engage with this person instead of trying to like get something out of her and Mm -hmm. be creepy? Mm -hmm. Uh, I wanted him to just be a a person who would... see her without
4: needing or wanting something It would have her. been interesting. Yeah, because it almost cheapens, if you think about it, almost cheapens what we later see to be like a pretty solid. Yeah. Because we're like, oh, he has inner pain, he has inner pain. And yeah, oh, he, he like, has. He
0: doesn't have it in his wife. I, no. I kind of wanted him to have sort of be like the moral center of this story. I thought he was of, going to be. I thought that was what the buildup was. When they're on the boat and he's kind of railing about the you know, the new sand that she gets shipped in, which is a lovely piece oh. of color, actually. I thought that's, <laughs> that blew my mind that people actually do that. Yeah. Um, but I then it never pays off. I was like, oh, maybe this guy is like our champion. Exactly. And then he
2: that he was, was my biggest disappointment with Touch. I mean, because I felt like he was gonna be the truth teller and he was gonna be the one that kind of saw through all the all of the disguises and all that shit. And then it yeah. just he just was like a drunk who just
0: rode his bike around and loved his. I don't know, just. Again, I was really yeah, I frustrated. More.
2: Yeah, I wanted more.
0: I, uh, I want to read an email that we got from Ashley, one of our listeners. First of all, I want to thank you for doing the podcast and book club. I have always read a lot, but having a specific purpose, sending in my thoughts for the book club, has made it even more fun for me. Because I can't send in my thoughts on every book I read, I've decided to start a book review blog. I just want to let you know that your podcast and book club were a big inspiration for me to start the blog. Thank you so much, Ashley. That makes me want to do a thousand more episodes. Thank you for saying that. You go in and you say, At first, I couldn't stand any of the characters. The story takes place in a hoity-toity rich community where everyone is more worried about harmless fishermen outsiders than the inevitable wrongdoings their own neighbors are committing. The only person I found likable was Tuck. I liked having him there to interact with Cheryl so I could see her as a more fully multifaceted character. At one point, Cheryl tells Tuck that she's different than other women in the community, an idea mentioned more than once in the book. And he says, you say that, but I haven't seen you prove it yet. He says all the right things and asks all the right questions to make Cheryl into a more rounded character. I'm glad, you got, I'm glad that that's how you saw Tuck. We just sort of spoke about him as wanting him to be more of that um, and you also said, I would definitely classify this book as a summer beach read. My favorite character wasn't the aging, aging trophy wife, the unhappy cheating husband, the stereotypical whiny rich kid addict son or their materialistic neighbors, but the actual community Little Net Cove itself. I, I – Kind of agree. Um, so thank you, Ashley, for sending in your thoughts. You can send in your thoughts about any book that we've read uh, on re- to readingaloudpodcast at gmail.com. Readingaloudpodcast at gmail.com. We're coming to the close of our book club, and I just wanted to go around the table again and get sort of final thoughts and a final, like, generic rating. If you had to give uh, a number of stars for this book, what would you give it? And would you rec- recommend it to a friend? Um, I just want to tap myself in the back and say this was an appropriate summer book. I picked (laughs) the exact right month to read this book. Nailed it, Nate. Thank you so much. Bravo to you,
2: sir. Thank you. (laughs) Bravo to you. Um,
0: This is about you needing validation. Goddamn right. (laughs) Good job. Thank you. And uh, and the next two books uh, I've already chosen, so I'm very excited to announce that to you at the end of this this episode. So first, um, John Ross Bowie, your overall take on this book, and would you tell your mother to read it? Um, um, a, a general
1: my mom's in town that's so weird that you oh. should mention that Yeah, please um, say hello for me I will I will um, the um, you know my, my estimation has actually slipped in the course of the past hour and I, <laughs> I, I, I have to say because like I had some issues with the book and I came in and they were Repeatedly validated by all the smart people at this table, everything I had like I got a problem with this this quality of the book, and then I had a bunch of smart people tell me, yeah, that's because that's the problem with the book, and mm-hmm. and so I, I, mm-hmm. I've slipped. I don't want to give it a star rating, and I, I sure, and I really hope Carolina isn't listening to this because, and I hope you're better than that, Carolina. I hope you're not the person who has to go out and. And read and listen to podcasts about <laughs> your book because there's something here. You've got a storytelling gift to you, For and I sure. don't want this to slow you down. Um, and uh, and if if, it's an, if you are in fact not writing in your native tongue, then fuck it. I take everything back because <laughs> that's so much better than my Polish. Um, I uh, I I would like to read something else from this genre. Um, yeah, that I bet would be better. And I, I've seen the movies based on all of the, uh, like I've seen the Ice Storm, love it. I've seen Little Children, love it. Yeah, um, and I kind of want to go back and, and 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 really get into uh, the genre to see if there's actually something there. If if that genre is handled properly, will I like it? Or does it go back to what I said earlier, which is the New England suburbs, the New the Northeastern suburbs can go fuck themselves. No, and I want no part of them. No, <laughs> no.
0: Joe College, which is it's a, a parade book that no one has read it's one of his firsts, and okay. is, is one of, to me it's one of his best it's fucking amazing did you want to read The Abstinence Teacher oh yeah I that's, that's right re- No, great. yeah, Fantastic. People, love that yeah. people love that book people love that book it's really good it, alright I'll go there that shit. The okay. Abstinence <laughs> Teacher and Wishbones too Wishbones is fucking awesome and okay. devastating about this guy in his, his sort of like cover band um, oh. in the suburbs of Massachusetts oh, and now Sam, he's yeah, like trying was... to fucking you know s- still be a musician but it's these kind of is still a total sad sack and about him sort of like negotiating that I love Parada I'll fucking go on and on about him okay, okay um, great, great.
4: Uh, so very Boston of you Nate
0: <laughs> I fulfill every New England stereotype yep, and much. fuck it I don't care um, <laughs> which is also a, a Boston stereotype um, we're Rob- wearing Crocs to church this weekend <laughs> <laughs> uh, Robin Clark uh, your sort of I don't know your final thoughts on the book and would you would you recommend <laughs> it to a dear friend or family member oh.
3: Probably not, just, just because of uh, the mindset it put me in to be around all these fictional people. I, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I want to touch on the, I don't know what you call this. The, the oh, poem. the epigram, yeah. 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 I, I, I
1: thought, that I, I wanted to mention that too, yeah.
3: I looked it up because I was like, I don't know how this relates to anything. And I so I, I looked up uh, what it came from and uh, context. Uh, and before this particular quote, Uh, this author says, I experience reality as a system of power. Everything imposes on me its system of being. Not, oh, I can't read my handwriting. Not only undergo the system of power, but even enter into sympathy with it. And later, uh, to escape disreality, to postpone its advent, I try to link myself to the world by bad temper.
1: And then what's the actual equilibrium itself?
3: Uh, So long as I perceive the world as hostile, I remain linked to it. I am not crazy. And I was hoping this would kind of open up some things about the book for me, and it sort of did not sort of didn't in that Cheryl is always uh, on the outside and perceives um, being looked upon and uh, assaulted. I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to put together something that isn't really there. But, did, but it's she, here yeah. for a reason.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, she made a very specific choice to put that quote there. And again, that it, for me, it doesn't pay off. Um, it, it, maybe in her in her mind, in her editor's mind, it did, obviously. But in, in my brain, it didn't. I think um, maybe
4: the problem is that um, she doesn't feel that linked to the world. Like, she's in the world, but she ha- is so isolated. She's mm. isolated from everyone, from her husband to all of the women to everyone, mm. that I just, I didn't feel like, I felt like she actually was sort of dispensable from the world. Mm. Like, I don't know that she made much of a dent there, and maybe that was kind of the point. Yeah. Um, But maybe that's part of it, because I think that quote implies to me that she's inextricably in, like, a power, in, like, a master-slave dynamic with, like, this world. But I didn't really feel like anyone even noticed her.
1: It is one more argument Mm. towards my she doesn't actually die at the end theory that the storm is a metaphor and she's just completely lost her right. mind. Hmm. Um huh. uh,
4: maybe she's um, just having like a really bad trip.
1: She's having a really <laughs> bad trip. The pills have caught up with her and she's really she's 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 yep. she's having a bummer. I don't know. Anyway, go yeah. ahead. It would be
4: kind of awesome if, if they would if she had woken up um or, you know, come to and the storm was over and she's just like in the like detritus of the storm and she's like, oh fuck my like attempt to get my head bashed in when the rock didn't work, not yeah. to restart and she's in like a you know like Mystic Pizza like less totally. fancy Connecticut she like totally. she drifted ashore in like a place where like people finally will see you her have anyway. yeah, yeah. punched
1: up this now.
4: I'm,
1: <laughs> I'm polishing the shit this. out of this right now so good
4: it's on the house <laughs> <laughs> cost,
2: cost nothing uh, Kevin your final thoughts um yeah, like I said before, I thought it was gonna be a lot better. I was kind of disappointed. Skylight is really pushing this thing. They have uh, a huge
0: window display, and there's 50 copies of this book. Uh, you don't work there anymore. I don't work so there way. anymore. So sorry, you're right. Um,
4: <laughs> it's well marketed.
0: Yeah, it is. It's really well marketed. The font
4: is parada Yeah.
0: Totally. Yep. Yeah. Love yep. the cover design. Actually, the cover yep. design is really
1: striking. Yep. And
2: actually, intriguing. yeah. And I brought it up before, and um, none of you know. Since no one here has read it, it's hard to talk about. But it really did remind me of Kate Chopin's *The Awakening*, which is also a, a book about a woman, kind of in a gilded cage sort of scenario. And it's also it ends with her uh, not in a storm, but she walks into the ocean and she just kind of drowns herself in a very similar way. But it's also ambiguous as to whether or not she dies. Yeah. So, even if you just want to Wikipedia look it up, it's mm-hmm. there are a lot of similarities between that ending and this one. Hmm. Um which w- w- I was really reminded of that. Um but I just It woke up her summer. Yeah. Then- uh, the awakening, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um it just felt like Tom Prada light and that was just kind of sad cuz I wanted I wanted her point
0: of view, not a Tom Prada light novel. So Yeah. You know, well described. Yeah, you can follow all my listeners on m- multiple social media platforms. Uh, John, John, what's your what's your Twitter handle on anyway? internet? John Ross Bowie. Uh, robin, how, how can people follow you on the internet?
3: I'm at red red robin with a y.
2: Kevin, uh, my Twitter handle is what's Jasper doing? Is that your son? That's my son. What's yeah. he up to? Uh, he's at school right now, first day. Oh yeah, today's the first day of school. Today's first day. I'm fucking crazy. Yeah. yeah,
1: I'm a dad. It's the, weird. The charter, <laughs> the charter start, the charter start
0: next week. Yeah, yeah, super weird. Uh, oh, Susanna, I, how can people? I'm
4: just at Susanna Fogle, F O G E L.
0: The show is at Reading Aloud Pod on Twitter. You can follow us there. You can follow I'm Nate Cordry as well. Thank you so much for listening, and big thanks to Kevin and Robin, Susanna and John. Thank you for joining me. To Cody. Cody, we haven't, you haven't been engineering my show for months, and it is a delight to have you back. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. I don't think your microphone oh. was on. Oh, well. Oh, oh goddammit. Goddamn engineer spoken to a dead microphone. <laughs> 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 that bodes well.
6: <laughs>
0: uh, we are now at the point of the show where I reveal the next book, uh, which will be recorded in the middle of September. It is a Pulitzer Prize winner from last year, Anthony Doerr, Anthony Doerr, All the Light We Cannot See, Mm -hmm. which is getting unbelievable reviews on Goodreads, like four and a half stars, and people just love it. Uh, It's a New York Times bestseller, uh, and people are way, way into this book and his writing. So All the Light We Cannot See, that is the next choice for the book club. And after that, September into October, I'm so excited. The Franzin novel will be out, so Ooh. we'll be reading *Purity* by Jonathan Franzen. So Aren't I get my They all word.
1: call *Purity*. Don't, don't f-
0: you fucking dare! <laughs> <laughs> I will wrestle you onto the floor. Yeah, I, mean, I am a Franzin a, uh, apologist. You want me to tell you what happens? No. <laughs> I ask, already, hey, don't I already, you fucking say a word. People do things. I will jump over this table. There's a food eating. Shut up. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening (laughs) to another episode of Reading Aloud. Um, Please tune in next week for a spectacular interview with Ali Spaltro, a.k.a. Lady Lamb. We really dig her and her opinions on writing and being creative and being young. My name is Nate Cordry. The music that you're listening to right now is Possessed by Paul James. Thank you to him for allowing us to use his music for the show. Uh, Listen again, and then listen again after that. Bye-bye.
1: You hit me like a hurricane. a hurricane
6: What are we doing this for? It's a promo to promote your show. Oh, what are you talking about? Why do I still have to do press for this? A lot thing? of people don't know about it. Who doesn't know about it? Well, Barack the- Obama? What are you too busy in the free world? Get on board. Just explain what your name is and tell the premise of the show, okay? You're a senior at Marina Del Rey High School. I got areolas as big as dinner plates, and put I put your use- shirt on. I'm promoting the show. Are you ready to tune in to these, Earwolf? You know this is only audio. What? Right? No one can see you. I thought there was a reality show that's been following me Guys, secretly. Marissa here is a, a young one with a lot of spirit, and she's the host of a new podcast called Womp It Up. She interviews her fellows, teachers, and students, and people from the Marina Del Rey community. And my partner in crime, Listler DJs bunch of songs you don't want to hear and answers your love questions i got a lot of followers on my listler spotify playlist so yeah why so don't you check this out listen up you should try out for circus i go to the
0: circus often because it's you
6: feel it are home. you kidding me? i love the circus
0: i love it we should go because i can't go to movies to go. so it's one it's one of the yeah, entertainment experience yeah makes him seasick. me motion sick yeah yeah seasick is reserved for people on boats trying to flee
6: from a past. We tried to go see the new Nicholas Sparks movie, see the best part of do. me. I threw up right away. Open yeah, the credits. All you... oh, so right. So listen to Wop It Up at Earwolf.com or your favorite podcast app. Or you could listen to these mamma jammas. Put go away. On the... whop, whop, whop. Sound sound them away. Flap, whop wap. Sound effects for your breasts. The sound of my boobs flapping in the wind. Turn around.
5: Whop,
3: whop, whop, whop. Hop. Hop.
6: Pop. Pop
4: pop
3: pop pop pop, 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 pop,
0: Wolf Pop is part of Midroll Media. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Matt Goerly, and Paul Shear.